Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast by Fightback, the Marxist voice of labor and youth. We live in a revolutionary epoch. The crisis of the capitalist system is creating political polarization and instability in every single country, as millions of people look for a way out. The product of this is unprecedented social upheaval and yes, revolution. Now we firmly believe that the crisis of capitalism is creating the conditions for socialist revolution. Yes, even in Canada. The point of this podcast is to provide a Marxist analysis of what Trotsky described as the molecular process of socialist revolution. This week in the Canadian Revolution, we're going to discuss the NDP Liberal deal that was just announced today, the confidence and supply deal, uh, where the NDP will prop up the minority Liberal government of Justin Trudeau for three years and four budgets until 2025. So we're going to discuss the Marxist analysis of this, the socialist, the, the approach that socialists should take to this deal, and also the general approach that we should take to coalitions and deals in general to help us understand uh, this question. Um, yeah, with me once again, I have uh, Fightback editor Alex Grant to help us uh, maybe parse this out, get to the bottom of this. Um, and I guess maybe to start, uh, we can first describe, first let's just describe like what's in the deal. I'm sure many people actually don't even know. Uh, even some of the details in the news are a bit confusing. So I don't know, Alex, do you want to start by explaining what's in this Liberal NDP deal? Hey, Joel, great to chat. Well, yes, it is a bit confusing. First of all, this is not technically a coalition. What this is, is what's known as a confidence and supply deal that they've actually put out a piece of paper that says uh, what they've negotiated and for the duration of the next parliament, so four budgets, three years, up until summer of 2025, the NDP agrees not to vote, bring down the Liberals, if the Liberals put through what's in, their, in, in this um, deal. So if, if you look at it, if you go through it, you will, uh, there's, uh, there's, they talk about a number of things, dental plan, pharmacare, anti-scab legislation, housing, long-term care, fossil fuel, su fuel subsidies, and an excess profits tax. Like those are sort of like the main highlights and talking points. But if you looked at the liberal platform in the last election, they talk about this stuff all the time. So it's one thing just to mention it, Unless there's explicit dollars and cents, I don't believe a single word lit, written there. So what are the actual concrete dollars and cents in there? Well, the, I guess the most concrete one is dental plan. Now there's a Simpsons episode about that, dental plan. Well, is it a dental plan? Well, uh, it might cover Lisa Simpson, but it wouldn't cover Bart. It's it's only for 12 year olds. So what they're going to do, yes, supposedly there's a uh, a dental plan for 12 year olds uh, this year. 
and maybe, maybe, Bart will be covered next year, 18 year olds in 2023. But, and then maybe, maybe, maybe there's a full program uh, by 2025. Of course, that's dependent upon the re-election of a liberal government, a minority liberal government propped up by the NDP. And it's going to be means tested. It's going to be means tested of uh, $70,000. So it's only for people under 70, uh, only families getting under $70,000. So there's a problem right there. There's a problem right there in terms of universal programs. Uh, maybe we'll come back in a minute and talk about universal programs. Pharmacare. Pharmacare is even vaguer. Yeah, haven't they uh, been promising pharmacare for decades? <laughs> oh, yeah. That they, I think they've been promising that since the, the Liberals' Red Book in, what, 1993? Yeah, early, mid-90s. Yeah, and, and actually they promised pharmacare, and then after winning the election on promising pharmacare, the Liberals proceeded to put forward the largest austerity in Canadian history. So that, that's, that's what tells you about Liberal promises. So they're going to have a study, another study, and put forward some, some kind of plan by next year, maybe. Uh, nothing concrete. Absolutely nothing concrete. Uh, Anti-scab legislation. Okay, that's a good one. Anti-scabs. Stop the scabs. Scabs are illegal in strikes. Can't, you know, replacement workers. They're not replacement workers. They're scabs. Call them what they are. Supposedly going to be illegal. Again, not for another two years. Why can't that just be done right away? Another two years. Uh, the NDP's given them all this confidence. Housing. Housing. Say something for housing. What? Dunno, something. And, and the NDP correctly has said that uh, private sector housing uh, yeah, doesn't work. It's, it's not clear whether this is uh, public housing or whether this is uh, private public partnerships. And actually, where it really comes down to P3s is long term care. So for um, older Canadians, well, it's very clear private long-term care kills people. You're like two or three times more likely to die of COVID or malnutrition or anything else in a private home than you're in a public or a non-profit home. It doesn't say, the drug meeting was specifically asked about this. So is it a deal breaker if it's a public-private partnership? And all he would say, oh, is our position that it's better if it's public? Like, dude, you didn't say it's a deal breaker. So it doesn't matter what your position is if you're not willing to back it up with a, a no confidence vote. So that was the classic not answering the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's irrelevant what your position is if you're agreeing to something that is not your position. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Fossil fueled subsidies, they're supposed to uh, NDP position, and it's in the document, like to remove fossil fuel subsidies. But when you look at the details, it's like maybe at the end of the year, one minor subsidy will be removed and may, and then we'll look at the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, like I believe that. And, and then again, a vague uh, commitment to a super profit tax in, in COVID. Oh, actually, I, I did some um, statistics yesterday, uh, StatsCan website, turned out that corporate profits in 2021 had actually gone up by 46% to almost $1.4 trillion. 
right? They went from sort of 900 billion to 1.4 trillion uh, in a single year. And, uh, and, and maybe the government will tax, you know, a half of 1% of that or something pathetic. So it is very weak source, very, very weak. Yeah, that's a lot of half measures and maybes and ifs and sometime maybe down the roads. <laughs> that doesn't really give us a lot to sink our teeth into. Um, you mentioned the question of universals. Like, obviously, like our, our position, the position of socialists, of genuine socialists, and I even believe the NDP position is for universal pharmacare, universal dental care. A uh, longstanding approach of the movement is the universal universal healthcare. So yeah, what what is in the document in terms of that? Because it seems like it's a very small, maybe reform on dental care, but it's not universal. Um, I don't know. Do you have any details about that? Yeah. So it's not universal, and it's absolutely vital that it be universal. Universal programs are actually cheaper. Uh, the Conservatives and the Liberals love, love talking about cheap government and efficiency and no bureaucracy. The best way not to have a bureaucracy is to have no means test, free at the point of use. But of course, right-wing governments don't like universal programs because, look, if, if rich people don't get the program, then rich people don't actually have any uh, point of dependence defending it. And so it just gets whittled away every year. Every right-wing government will just lower the eligibility, make it more onerous, and it actually becomes bureaucratically far more inefficient and far more expensive. So it's absolutely vital that these are universal programs. And arguably, the presence of a non-universal program, like actually Obamacare in the States was a non-universal program, it actually becomes the, a barrier to the formation of a genuine universal program. So get it done right. Don't do half measures that don't work and are far more inefficient, and then actually le lessen the political momentum for a universal program. Yeah, well, okay, that, sound, that doesn't sound so good. Any, and uh, obviously, uh, this everything we're explaining here about the deal is, yeah, a bunch of half measures and maybes. Uh, so that, yeah, that doesn't look good so far. But, you know... Isn't, you know, I guess maybe probably what the NDP is arguing. Yeah, but, you know, we got to get something, uh, you know, isn't the de dental care for people under 12, isn't that good enough? Or isn't that, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't we support that? We don't want to be doctrinaire. You don't want to be dogmatic. You want to be anti-parliamentary or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can get into a bit like <clears throat> what approach should socialists take to this mm -hmm. budget? Because I think people can get quite confused. You might see a couple of couple of candies being dangled in front of your face and think you should support it. Uh, or you have some people that might take the approach of no, always no <laughs> to every single deal that is ever proposed, which kind of just makes it so nobody takes you seriously. You kind of just boycott yourself out of the discussion uh, about what is actually happening in politics in the country. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to maybe give us a bit of information? Like, yeah, well, yeah. What, what is the general socialist approach on deals and coalitions and, and things like that? Uh, yeah. What, what would we, what should we take approach should we take in general? Cool. Thanks, Joe. Well, a few things. I, we do have a principled stand against coalitions, right? So the, the NDP should not enter government. 
the NTP should not have cabinet ministers. We should not pro uh, should not be responsible for a bourgeois government. So that is a point of principle. But we have also, over the years, evolved the position that we don't have a doctrinaire automatic no or in any kind of deal. And I'll explain why. That, yes, if, if you just are always no, you are boycotting the process. And a lot of working class people will say, yeah, well, if this was a universal dental care plan or a universal pharmacare plan or something like that, and we're just saying, no, you can't do it because it's the liberals doing it. People would look at you and go, well, why, um, why are you rejecting something that is going to improve the lives of working class people? And especially if something came about through a general struggle, right? You could imagine, okay, imagine, for example, the Quebec student strike. It's the 10th anniversary of the Quebec student strike. We've just written a fantastic article uh, about it. Uh, it's going to be the front page of the next issue of Fight Back. And uh, imagine that movement blew up into, uh, and, and free education was on the table. The mass movement was getting that from the government and Quebec Solidaire MNAs had the balance of power. And the government is implementing free education. But then, you know, you're, you're implementing, they're implementing free education. Do we bring them down? Actually, maybe, maybe you might bring them down if you think you can replace them. But Depends. if you can't, don't think, you, yeah, but if you don't think you can replace them and, uh, and you're getting a real reform, you might say, look, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll make sure we'll vote for it while you're putting it through. And then we have no, absolutely no confidence in you after that. Yeah. And we doubt that you will maintain it and we will fight you to keep it. Exactly. <laughs> and we exactly. will keep the, the movement, we'll keep mobilizing to defend the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not an automatic. No, you can, you can vote for this or that reform that genuinely uh, benefits workers and, you know, and, and it, you know, allow it to go through. And, and, and there's some history and there's a historical analogy to this. The most obvious one was what was known as the Jack Layton budget of 2005. Yet the minority liberal government under Paul Martin was embroiled in scandal. The, uh, the Gomery inquiry, the sponsorship scandal in Quebec, and it was really down in the polls and was about to be brought down. And Jack Layton negotiated, I think it was about $4 billion, mostly for social housing. And, and it was just voting for a single budget for a limited period of time, something like four months. And, uh, and so the, the NDP just supported the, uh, uh, the Liberal budget for the duration of that agreement. And then like six months down the road, the NDP voted no confidence on the basis of the, of the liberal corruption scandal and the NDP gained from that in the election. So we supported that. We said, look at something understandable, short-term, real benefit to the working class. So that's basically like <clears throat> forcing concessions from the government and not taking responsibility for the government and any bad things that they do. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but, then, but then you had in 2008, you had the coalition deal with Stefan Dion and Jack Layton en entering into government. That was the plan. 
with cabinet positions. Actually, someone had a sign sort of like Jack Layton just wants a bigger office. And it was a conservative uh, holding the sign, but there was an element of truth to that. It was a complete sellout, complete sellout on the entire NDP platform, complete uh, sellout on the Afghanistan war. Actually, the NDP had been gaining support on the basis of the Afghan war. And they, they ditched that, ditched everything. And, uh, and then that was, and the Canadian public revolted against that coalition, hated the idea of Stephen Dion as a prime minister. And, uh, and then on, on that basis, it, it was rejected and the NDP did very badly. Uh, I, I may add, there was a lot of confusion on the left on that. So that coalition was supported by the International Socialists Group, uh, the Communist Party of Canada, uh, a lot of left reformists supported it. And we had, we had a principal position, no coalitions, we cannot be taking responsibility for the Liberals and their wars. Yeah, exactly. So that I guess that helps us here to, to, to uh, add a couple of historic examples, right? So that we don't just, I think one of the weaknesses or one of the problems that, that people can have on the left is you either take an opportunist approach where you end up almost accepting every single deal or coalition because there might be something good in everyone, right? Like the dental care thing. Uh, or you can take a completely abstract sectarian doctrinaire position that is rejecting every single one, which is also, I mean, I, I think those two approaches end up being two sides of the same coin, which don't get us anywhere. Um, so yeah, we need to look at the concrete situation, the concrete context and the concrete uh information of what reforms, what, what is on the table, right? We're not opposed to winning reforms. <laughs> We're in favor of it, but it's, uh, but yeah, we got to make sure that we don't take responsibility for capitalist governments. We don't take, and in particular, we don't take any responsibility. We don't enter government. <laughs> we Socialists should not enter government. The labor movement, the NDP should not enter government with the liberals or Jesus, maybe one day with the conservatives <laughs> uh, and should not take any responsibility for their wars uh, and for their austerity measures, for their attacks, for their cuts. And that is that would be a disaster. And this this could be a disaster for the NDP <laughs> actually headed into the next election. Uh, they will be in bed with the liberals for the next few years. Uh, and that is a yeah, I think that sets up a, not a very good political situation with radicalization on the right. With We've already talked about Pierre Polyev potentially looking like he might win the Conservative Party leadership race, raising an anti-establishment message. He's already denouncing this as a socialist deal. <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah, you will have no left, potentially no left wing outlet for the coming anger uh, at the government because you'll have the NDP in the government. Um, so yeah, that is also... Uh, something to be worried about. Um, but maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe we can move on to like, what, so we talked about what's in the deal. What's missing from the deal? What is not in the deal? I mean, we weren't in the room with <laughs> Jagmeet and Trudeau and the, the strategists of the parties, but obviously there are some pretty big things that are missing here. Do you want to maybe speak to that? Well, I think you just need to look at the the, the subject headings of uh, episodes of our podcast to see, you know, what's not in the deal. It's the war, right? It's uh, there was a Forty Towers episode um, for, for those of us of a different generation. They don't mention the war. Don't mention NATO budgets. Don't mention military spending. 
don't mention the massive pressure for the imperialist warhawks to spend 2% of GDP on military budgets. That's what's not in the deal. Any question of uh, military budgets. And the fact is that it's very likely that the Liberals will table a budget massively increasing military spending to 2% of GDP. And that is the equivalent of voting war credits in the Reichstag of the German socialists in 1914. That, and that is, if it, if, even if the deal, if it, if it was a universal dental care and a universal pharma care and it would be implemented right in a year or even less, um, this is the poison pill. This is the total poison pill is this is going to be an imperialist war budget. That's what it's going to be. And, and the NDP, actually, that, that was both raised. The journalists raised that with both Trudeau and with Singh, and they both gave completely mealy-mouthed answers, classic Canadian politician non-answers of, you know, so... so Singh said, well, you know, we don't support increased uh, uh, military budgets. And Trudeau said, well, we can, we can look for support from other parties for, for military budgets. It's the, bu the budget. You either vote for it or against it, right? And the budget will have a massive increase in military expenditure. You vote for it or against it. And the NDP essentially said they would vote for it no matter how much they're spending on guns instead of better services, right? There's an old you know, Nazi slogan, uh, guns before butter. So this is uh, going to be a guns before butter budget, but you know, gu guns before better services. Yeah, I find this also interesting. This is one of those things that doesn't get discussed, military spending. It's almost assumed. <laughs> it just happens. Uh, and it happens quickly. I mean, the Trudeau government's already been sending weapons and military equipment to Ukraine. Uh, but then when it comes to actual reforms that benefit working class people, like it ends up being such <laughs> an annoying debate and discussion and bogged down, uh, uh, like, you know, pharmacare, dental, oh, can't do it. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, my God, there's no money. Um, but when it goes to the military... Uh, I mean, the United States is probably the most clear example of that, the most bloated military budget probably ever existing. But uh, you have this increasing military budget in Canada. Uh, we've already seen that over the past number of years that the Canadian Canadian imperialism, I think in a in a world, in an uncertain world with growing imperialist conflicts uh, and uh, can't really rely so much on big brother to the south <laughs> to fight our wars always for us is increasing military spending. And as a socialist, nominally socialist party of the labor movement, the NDP uh, should be opposing that tooth and nail and shouldn't take any dangling treats, little treats before them in order to accept this. So this, this, that, if this, if this is the content of this and the NDP will end up propping up increased military spending for us, some small, tiny, honestly, quite minuscule reforms that is a huge mistake um but yeah maybe and, and, yeah. And, not, and, and for you know three years four budgets 
They've completely yeah. taken any pressure off the table. Yeah, why did they? I, I don't. I don't understand what the pressure was to support for the the whole duration. I know the. I know why the liberals want it. <laughs> I have no idea why the NDP would want to do that. Uh, is it just like insider baseball? Like, is there just like a debate inside the NDP about? I saw Carl Belanger make a comment. One of the NDP strategy or ex NDP strategists make a comment about this will allow the NDP to increase their war chest in the next few years. So it's like, what's more important, money or politics? You're going to sell out for three years and then expect to win the election on increased fundraising. Nobody's going to want to donate to the NDP if you do that. Um, anyway, that's, I guess we're treading on to the next point to discuss here. Uh, um, maybe before we get into that, though, as is tradition, I'll have a short commercial break. You're listening to Fight Back Radio you, uh, th this week in the Canadian Revolution. Um, we're talking about the NDP liberal deal that was just announced today. Um, we are a uh, Canadian socialist organization. We're a Marxist organization. We're fighting for socialism in our lifetime. We are part of the international Marxist tendency. We are active in dozens of countries around the world. Uh, we, if we're not just here to discuss, we are actively fighting for socialist ideas in Canada. And the whole point of this podcast is to help people understand what a, a Marxist analysis is of the situation and what approach genuine socialists should take uh, in the movement um, to all the various questions of the day every week. Uh, and we encourage you to, to not only listen to this podcast, if you're listening, if you're first time listener, if you listened before, uh, if you're not already involved with us, get involved. There are many ways to get involved and support us. You can go to our website, marxist.ca. There's a join us form. Please fill it out. One of our activists, we're active in cities all over the country, will contact you. Uh, you can get involved and help us build the forces of Marxism, uh, the genuine socialist alternative in the labor movement, in the youth movement, in the, in the working class as a whole. And, uh, and you can also, you know, uh, please support us. Uh, we have a, 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 a paper that comes out, a magazine that comes out uh, every two weeks. Please get our, get a subscription to Fight Back magazine that will help us get our ideas out there. We can have it mailed to you every two weeks. Uh, yeah, you can get a hard-hitting Marxist analysis mailed right to your door. Uh, yeah, so please go to our website, marxist.ca, uh, and, and, and join us and support us in the fight for socialism in Canada and internationally. Um, yeah, so back at it, I guess kind of the big... We haven't really said... I guess we foreshadowed it, <laughs> what approach so we should take to this budget. But maybe, uh, yeah, do you want to maybe speak a bit to like, yeah, what approach should we take this budget and why? And how, how should we argue that in the labor movement? Yeah. Weak, weak source. This deal has almost nothing in it. It is giving away the farm for a, a very minor reform. That, that the only thing down in writing is a non-universal program, means-tested program, which doesn't give uh, people what they need in terms of dental care. It just doesn't. And, and that is not worth three years, four budgets worth of support by any means possible. That, look, it, it should be a universal dental care, it should be universal pharmacare, it should be anti-scab right away, it should be a purely public, massive funding and public-only long-term care for old folks, 
you know, it needs to be massive injection of housing. And it's none of those things. It's, it's, it's all, you know, a, a wish and a prayer and fairy dust. That's all that's in this deal. And if you trust the Liberals, if you trust the Liberals to follow through on vague promises, then I've got a bridge to sell you, right? Uh, you'd have to be very, very stupid to believe the Liberals. I, I, actually, I don't believe the stuff that they actually put real money behind. They'll go back, back on it. But there's not even that. It's vague, vague, vague. So on that basis, vote no, should be opposed. But then when you throw the NATO funding, when you throw the military budget on top of that, the massive increase of military funding, funding it's no on top of no. Right? Absolutely no. Right? that uh, you cannot be supporting imperialism. And the, the N NDP is going to end up wearing this. And again, people are looking for anti-establishment alternatives. And the NDP said they are part of the core establishment. So uh, this is a terrible, terrible decision by the NDP. Yeah, they even said in the government's announcement, <clears throat> they said, I, I, I noticed this one quote, which was interesting. It says, politics is supposed to be adversarial, but no one benefits when increasing polarization and parliamentary dysfunction stand in the way of delivering these results for Canadians. I can almost hear Justin Trudeau's voice saying this, uh, or Jagmeet Singh's, to be honest. <laughs> the, the, the reason why I wanted to quote that is that the increased polarization is because of the crisis of capitalist society. Rising inflation, <laughs> uh, 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 just the general capitalist crisis. People are very, I think there's a lot of anxiety. People are very, they're worried about the future. All of the, there's a bunch of polls that came out recently that said uh, the vast majority, I think it was 60 something percent of people in Canadians say that their income is not keeping up with inflation. People are, everyone is taking a wage cut every month, every week even, uh, through the rise of prices in, in general. And, and the increasing polarization is therefore, I believe, an inevitable consequence of this. And in the next three years, think about what happened in the last three years. <laughs> what do you think the next three years are going to be this nice, stable, happy paradise where the liberal NDP deal government are putting through tiny little things that make our lives better, that is not the perspective. That is not what is going to happen. And so I think this is a, this is a poison pill deal. This is a bad deal. This is a bad deal, especially because of the, the, the epoch we're living in, the context and the general perspective of rising class struggle, anger, and yes, political polarization, which is positive. It is positive. It's clarifying. And the NDP and the labor movement and the left should be should be uh, capitalizing on that polarization to the left to fight the status quo, to fight the establishment. Uh, and yes, that is dysfunctional because that the class struggle is is mutually anti or uh, antagonistic classes battling each other. So here we have the NDP joining hands with the uh, the main capitalist party. Uh, to have a class collaboration, basically. That is what this is. And that is, and on top of it, with everything you said, uh, it is not worth it at all. <laughs> there is no, 
is very little in it and it is a guaranteed support for three years. So that's, that's just really bad given the context and the general perspectives for, for, uh, <clears throat> for the class struggle uh, over the, in, in the coming period. Uh, yeah, Alex, you want to come in here? This is a gift to Pierre Polyev in the far right. This is a total gift to them because this deal will do nothing to improve the general standard of conditions of working class people. You're just so very minor, bureaucratic. I, no one will feel these benefits. Very, very small number of people. And the crisis will just get worse and worse and worse. And that allows the right wing, the populist right, the far right, to label the left together with the liberals to the establishment. And it will just lead to support, yeah, increasing support for people like Polyev, increasing support for people like the PPC, uh, and um, what's his name? Sorry. Um, Bernier? There Bernier, we go. yeah. Yeah, and Bernier. Uh, because they will be the ones railing against the system, and the system is the NDP Liberal government, right? So th this is going to mean that there will not be a, a genuine left option on the ballot box, right? And so th th this is a terrible decision. And, well, the, the struggle will continue. The struggle will continue on the streets and on the picket lines, but in terms of the electoral struggle, the political struggle in, on that side, that will not enthuse working class people, will not enthuse young people, radicalized youth, or, or, the, or people from oppressed communities. It will do precisely the opposite and will feed into this momentum to the right. And we have to say no. We may, we may also add that we shouldn't abandon hope Working class and oppressed people always find a way. They will find a way out. But the NDP is uh, making it so it's very much, much harder for the NDP to be that way. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think something you mentioned right there is extremely important. We're not cynics, we're not pessimists. Um, and I don't think people should be. I think that many people in Canada feel that way on the left. They feel, what the hell are we supposed to do? This is just, uh, you know, strikes are getting sold out. Uh, the NDP is propping up the Liberal government for peanuts. Uh, but no, there is hope. We are hopeful and we are optimistic as revolutionaries. And I, I think, you know, you need to have a broader view of history and a broader view of what is going on in the world. Uh, that is what has happened over the past number of decades is especially in a country like Canada, um, which benefited from the post-war boom period, big extended boom of the capitalist systems, a lot of fat in the system. The government was able to give concessions to the working class. You had the middle class created. You had a lot of funding for social programs and whatnot. And this actually kind of created a lot of illusions in the capitalist system, illusions in class collaboration and conciliation, which, is, which you can see it in the NDP now, right? Uh, so I think, and I think that uh, uh, this has meant that the, the movement has been thrown back ideologically. And for socialists today, what we're trying to do is, and, and 
is, is to try to build back those traditions on the basic ABCs of what the movement is about. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast too. And I think we're not at all pessimistic about that because if we look at the objective conditions, look, I know that probably these brilliant NDP strategists think this is an awesome move. They're going to be, this is not, they're going to be, they're going to be unpleasantly surprised at what is to come. I don't think this is going to lead to increased popularity for the NDP. I think the exact opposite is the case. The association with the establishment at the status quo and the government is a poison pill, very bad thing for the left, horrible thing for the left in this context in particular. Uh, and, and so the objective conditions are, are, are that of capitalist crisis, crisis class struggle, and, and we need to really build that socialist Marxist force in the movement to provide a socialist alternative that, if you look at history, can take off, can gain in support very quickly, but we need your help. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would like to appeal to people, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, uh, don't be despondent, don't be depressed, don't be cynical about it. Join the Marxists, fight for a bold socialist future. The the I think for the you know, for the last number of years, uh, for the first, I've been a socialist for a long time. And for the first time uh, uh, in a while, it's or for the first time in decades, I think the we're going with the stream. <laughs> people are radicalizing. People are waking up. They're seeing that capitalism doesn't offer them a way forward. They're upset at the government. They don't like, uh, they don't like politics. <laughs> they don't like official politics, right? So I think that we as Marxists can do a lot to reach those people. Um, and we, we see that every day with the number of people that are, are wanting to get involved uh, in fight back in the international Marxist tendency. So I appeal uh, to you to do that, to get involved, to join us, to help us fight, uh, to help us fight against this horrible deal <laughs> in the labor movement, in the NDP, in the student movement, in the youth movement, uh, and to help us fight for uh, a socialist revolution, a socialist transformation of society. Um, as a solution to all of the problems of capitalism that we're, we are faced today. Um, I don't know, Alex, do you have any f final words here for us? Yeah. Well, if, if, if the Liberals want to put forward a dental plan for 12-year-olds, they can do so in the next budget very easily without the NDP support and leaves the NDP with a clean banner to uh, put forward universal programs, right? The NDP does not need to support this. And this... The, but. Obviously, this deal is going to be signed, and this will lead to an element of confusion in the movement that the inability of the labor movement to properly fight back has led to binding arbitration and back-to-work legislation and all the rest of it. Actually, that was going to be our podcast this week. I think we'll, we'll maybe do it next week or in future weeks about the crisis in the labor movement. But it isn't a single march to victory. It isn't people uh, because organization matters leadership really matters and that's why the international marxist tendency and fight back and lara socialist that's why we exist because leadership and ideas and ideology really really matters and there are thousands and thousands of people looking for revolutionary socialist ideas and that is why we're growing all the time and that's why you should join us that's why you should go to our website get a subscription join us and the tide will, is moving in our favor. The tide will move decisively in our favor, but we need to have the right ideas to win.
You have been listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, where we analyze the events of the class struggle, the turbulence and polarization brought upon by the crisis of the capitalist system in order to prepare activists for the coming revolutionary events so that we can fight back and build socialism in our lifetime. You can find us at marxist.ca and we will be doing this podcast every week. So we hope that you tune in again.